Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Tuesday, December 5th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Last week, the Global Conference for Israel was held in Denver. It drew more than 2,000 attendees in support of Israel and hundreds of protesters who are calling for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Some Jewish protesters said they feel a special responsibility to speak out. It is critical that we show up as Jews, that we really communicate that, like, they don't represent us. We are not a monolith. And their unapologetic, uncritical stand with Israel stance is wrong. We have to create pathways where Jews, Israelis, Arabs, and Palestinians are all safe and the path of standing with Israel uncritically will never get us there. So we'll hear more from protesters and people who attended the conference tomorrow on In the NoCo. Today, we turn our attention to an ongoing problem close to home. The trauma of domestic violence is a scar that survivors carry with them for many years and often silently. A recent report tells us that more people in Colorado are enduring this kind of abuse and not surviving it. An analysis by the Colorado Attorney General's office shows the number of domestic violence deaths in 2022 was roughly one and a half times higher in comparison to the last seven years. And a lot of factors seem to be intensifying this crisis. For one, in Colorado, like many other states, a lack of affordable housing makes it even more difficult to escape an abuser. And firearms also play a major role. More than 80% of domestic violence deaths were the result of gun injuries. This tracks with recent research from Stanford University showing people who have a gun in the home face a much higher risk of dying from homicides. Stanford's David Stutter discussed this study with In the NoCo's Robin Vincent shortly after the data was published. About two-thirds of the entire sample consisted of women because it's just much more likely for women to be in that situation than it is for men. Unusual for a man not to own a gun and live with a woman who does. So that's important because when we think about the secondhand risks of gun ownership, we're really talking about a population that is predominantly female. Stoddart's research was focused in California, although the threats of secondhand gun ownership can be observed in many other places, including Colorado. With the holidays now in full swing, we wanted to keep this issue front and center. Because for people in domestic violence situations, this time of year can mean more stress, more time at home, and more exposure to abusers. I sat down with Danny Souza, the outreach coordinator for A Woman's Place, which is Weld County's only domestic violence shelter. We provide services aside from a 24-7 safe shelter for people who are suffering domestic violence to come and seek We also have services outside of that. So maybe somebody has a safe place to stay. They can stay with a family. Maybe they were able to get an apartment, but they're still suffering legally because of domestic violence. They're having trouble with employment because maybe they've never had a job because of domestic violence. 
we can offer those resources to them without them having to seek shelter. So it's important to know that you don't have to just seek shelter to use our services. If you have a safe place to stay, we still have intervention, employment, housing, and legal that we can help with. As we mentioned a few moments ago, domestic violence deaths in Colorado hit an all-time high for the second year in a row. We know there are many factors at work here, including the tight housing market. Colorado is, of course, right in the middle of this historic housing crunch. That would seem to have major implications for anyone who is stuck living with an abusive person. Danny, in your work, I'm wondering, what does this look like in northern Colorado? How often are you seeing um, people facing this dilemma of trying to choose between their safety and finding a place to live, often um, not just for themselves, but with children or with pets? Yeah, we definitely see that. Uh, You know, a majority of the individuals that come in, um, a lot of people, there's a stigma around domestic violence. So a lot of people aren't sure, you know, who's coming into shelter and it doesn't discriminate. So it can be anybody coming in for shelter when it comes to housing it's hard because if you can't afford safe housing again and you're unable to come to a shelter you will stay in an unsafe situation maybe you have legal issues where you can't leave maybe the house is half in your name and you're worried that you're not going to get um you know you're half during a divorce you're not sure how a divorce works So we're noticing a lot, you know, some people aren't allowed to work during their relationships. So then they don't have funds to leave. You know, they're given an allowance and you can't safely leave, you know, with extra money if you're given an allowance. So there's a lot of factors when it comes to what's going on and why the rate is so high right now. Well, during the pandemic, we heard about a spike in intimate partner violence no doubt driven by families being isolated in quarantine for weeks at a time. I'm wondering if that was a trend you saw in Northern Colorado. And could you speak to some of the residual effects from the pandemic on the services that you provide? We definitely do. I know this year we have unfortunately had to turn a lot of people away due to the fact that we're at capacity. You know, we have a limited amount of rooms that we can fill and we seem to be at capacity a lot kind of because of these trends. And I know other safe houses probably see um, see the same thing. Prior to COVID, we were able to fit multiple individuals, same-sex individuals in each room because we do accept anyone suffering from domestic violence. Though our name is a woman's place, we were founded in 1978. Um, So we, anyone suffering, men, women, LGBTQ, suffering from domestic violence. During COVID, we had to shut that down and have one individual or one family per room. So we were, you know, we had a little less than 30 beds and then we're down to eight rooms. We noticed that survivors did, I think they felt a bit more comfortable because they did have their own room and they weren't sharing with multiple individuals. So we are still operating at an eight room basis, but there are definitely residual effects because of COVID again, having to be in the same house for so long, kids aren't going to school, there's frustrations, you're not going to work, there's frustrations, no income, you know, substance abuse was a huge one during COVID. So yeah, those rates definitely increased. Well, I wanna wrap up by asking you Danny, because sometimes it just feels very tough to talk about this. The trends all seem to be going in the wrong direction. The news is filled with terrible stories. I'm wondering if there's anything that's giving you hope right now or just something that you're feeling optimistic about. Through my work specifically, I get to talk about the bright side of domestic violence. And I know that seems strange to say, but 
we don't want to talk about all the darkness with domestic violence. You know, we know that that's happening and we will speak about it, but we want people to be empowered by it. We want people to spread the word so that they're, you know, somebody they know who's suffering feels empowered to come to us. You know, this year I want to say is a huge year for us because it's our 45th anniversary. So we've been empowering survivors for 45 years. Um, and our hope is to just continue, you know, continue what we're doing for the next 45 years. And we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of you guys and the community. So we are so appreciative of everybody um, within our community. Well, Danny, Souza, thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having us on. And if you or someone you know is struggling with a domestic violence situation, we'll have some resources in the show notes and at KUNC.org. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We want to wish Sean Corcoran, KUNC's Executive News Director, a very happy birthday. 21, again. Mickey Capper is our interim producer. Our executive producer is Robin Vincent. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. We'll see you next time.